almost half of the people are not here tonight. No, no, no. It's summer, the weather's nice, you know, trip, uh, summer vacations are... <laughs> say, say less, say less. <laughs> This is uh, also Pastor Charles and Tito Nancy's last Sunday with us before they moved to Florida, sunny Florida, where oranges are made. <laughs> okay, please turn your Bibles over to Ephesians chapter 4. Thank you. I entitled our message tonight, Live for Jesus. I'm reading from the New International Version. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Dear Lord, we thank you for another time, another evening, another day that you've given to us and blessed us with to be with our loved ones. And again, Lord God, to be with this church that you've chosen for us. We thank you for the songs that we are able to praise you with our lips and our hearts. We thank you for this place that you've given to us that we're able to gather and not fear for our lives, Lord. We thank you for all the workers, both in the front and in the back, Lord God. We pray for blessings for them. May you continue to strengthen them and use them. We thank you for the people that you've brought here this evening. I pray for their souls, Lord God. I pray for their needs and their hurts and their aches, Father God, may you respond to them. May you heal them. May you speak to them and, 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 and feed them, Lord God. Feed their souls. May you meet everyone's need tonight. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our shortcomings. And give us wisdom, Lord God. Help us to understand and accept your message for us tonight. Please guide me, Lord. Anoint my lips. Teach us, Lord, with the Holy Spirit. As we use and read your word, Father, may you be with us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, live for Jesus. Um, I see some, some new faces or returning faces tonight. I'm so glad you're here. Praise God. Uh, but uh, I don't know about you guys. We've been studying the book of Ephesians, and I've been... Uh, there's been a lot of beautiful things that's been coming out of it, and uh, I've just been so blessed personally. Maybe not you so much. Maybe I'm not communicating it well. <laughs> but it's, it's so many. There's so many necessary doctrines that's in it that is such a, a great need for any Christ follower to know. So as, as uh, I wanted to really say... Well, put the title Unity in the Maturity of the Body of Christ, which was in the New International Version. But I feel like when we say maturity, we just think about, you know, getting old, right? Um, this Saturday, I really felt old. Um, I've been, not just my gray hair, that's been very obvious for many months now. Um, seeing my family in California, they all said, what? happened to you, you know, <laughs> that was their reaction, and they were pointing out my gray hair, but not just that, my, my body's not moving the same, I've been having some hip problems, I've been doing a lot more stretches than usual, and then my, my on Saturday, usually my children would love to be with me, and I was kind of free, but they could care less about being with me, <laughs> my son went to Tahoe with his girlfriend, and my my daughter was planning a party for herself because she turned 15. So I was alone. So guess what an old man <laughs> get to do on a Saturday? 
Starbucks. <laughs> I went to Starbucks to start studying. And I was thinking, okay, maturity, you know, is, it, is maturity just getting old physically? No, right? Because we know of a lot of old people that still act as if they're 15, right? Or, right? It's, it's not just the physical aging. It's not just the appearance. Well, we're going to be studying mostly is now how we mature in our faith. You know, it's quite important that we, that Paul and God through Paul, that he, they started with chapters 1 and 3. And that's what we're going to do because most of us weren't here. Most of you weren't here the past, I don't know how long we've been doing it, but here's some um, review, recap of what we've studied. Just some highlights of chapters 1, and th uh, one to 3. In, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 to 5, this is where we see that God told us that we were chosen. He, he chose us before the foundations of the world. Right? Is there a great way to explain predestination? Is there enough time in the world to explain it? Not really. But let me tell you as simple as this. It's written in the Bible. I believe it. I'm humbled by it. And that's what God told us. In Ephesians 2, 4 to 9, um, he reads here, But because of his great love for us, God, who is in, rich in his mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And in verse 8, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one may boast. Reminding us that it's, we're saved by grace, by His grace. He gave it to us that there's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. And in the good works, in verse 10 says that it is our fruit of being saved. And in Ephesians 3, 3 verse 6, it reads, This mystery is that through the gospel and the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Another race was born because of Jesus, he united the Gentiles and the Jews. And now there's another race, which is the Christian, the Christian church, right? So I wrote here in my notes, be brief on election <laughs> and predestination. <laughs> now, what is the first thing a baby learns to do before they walk? Now, Michelle's here with her baby. People think it's crawling, right? I was thinking maybe they need to crawl first before they walk, but it's not really what they learn first. Other than crying, right? Other than crying, it's, it's actually sitting. They learn how to sit, right? Other than feeding from their moms, it's the, the, the learning to sit. So it's the same with our spiritual life. Paul started with reminding us where we sit, where we sit. We are seated in the right hand of the Lord because of Jesus Christ. He reminds us of that before he started talking about the walk. Because chapters 4, 5, and 6 talks about us walking in this Christian life. God, through Paul, establishes for the Ephesian church and a reminder for us, everyone who claims to be Christians, that positionally, the sitting, the fact that we are justified, started in chapters 1 to 3. And now we are, because without that, without that, if we start with the walking, that's why I'm recapping it. I'm giving you some time to, again, remind yourself that we are saved by grace. Because without that, you're going to think chapters 4 and 6, and you're going to hit me the next few Sundays if you come, is you're going to just be frustrated because you're going to think, oh, that's impossible. You're going to think I'm legalistic. Oh, he's talking about works. I thought saved by grace. And then what's going to happen? You're going to rebel. You know what? That is not the right teaching. So, is it clear, folks? Is it clear that um, for those of us who have admitted that we are sinners, it is, is it clear that there is no way we have admitted that there is no way that we can save ourselves, right? There is no way in the world that we can do. There's nothing in the world that we can do. We are doomed. We are doomed for eternity if we don't surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And that is the only way that we earn 
right? We're not, we're in, we, that's how we received eternal life, correct? Amen. 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 All right, let's begin. I think it's clear now. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. There's a delay. There you go. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, Paul, we, we took a Sunday discussing about when he was a prisoner. Remember? But again, look at that. He says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. He was a prisoner of Rome, but he doesn't describe himself as Paul as the prisoner of Rome. I plead to you. No, he said, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. Prisoner for the Lord. Which, be, be, you know why he repeated himself, right? Just like Jesus, he repeats himself. You know why? Because great teachers repeat themselves. Let me repeat. <laughs> he worked. <laughs> so Paul reminds everybody, and he reminds himself that he belongs to the Lord, and he cannot escape it. He is captured. He is captivated. He is convicted. He's convicted by the Lord that he and his entire being, his life belongs to God. And nothing else matters. Nothing else matters for him. He knows that his death is right, could be the, the next moment, but he could care less about it. His mission in life was to serve God, period. Nothing more, nothing less. And then he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, how do you handle important things? How do you handle expensive things? Okay, I get it. Expensive could be relative to the person. For me, expensive, an expensive tie is above five bucks. <laughs> Very cheap, right, for some of you. But some of you, an expensive necktie is $100. So how do you treat that $100 worth necktie versus a $5 necktie or a free necktie or a necktie from Savers? Very differently, correct? Very differently. Same for the women, your purse, your purses, right? The genuine purses, the ones that are worth $5,000 to $7,000 to $10,000, I bet you those don't touch the ground. They have their, a seat of their own at church, right? Look at, look at your purses right now. <laughs> they're all, they, have, they have their own seats. <laughs> they have their own chair because they're pricey. You want to take care of them. But the cheap ones, the ones that we know we just bought at Divisoria, they're on the floor, right? Because we know what it's worth. We know what it's worth. And when it's brand new and inexpensive, we treat When it comes to cars, we don't park them in the middle of the grocery. We park them all the way to the back, right? Because we don't want it to be dinged. Oh my gosh, I don't want to be, the carts might get them, right? Because they're expensive and we know what it's worth. Now, if you think about that, put that, those two notions, two thoughts together. How much do you treat the life that you are now called with, how much, how well do you treat you being called a Christian? How do you live your life as a Christian knowing that for you to become a Christian, it took Jesus to give up his life on the cross? Now Paul is saying, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Again, put yourself back. If you're feeling convicted, if you're feeling condemned, that's not of the Holy Spirit. That's of the enemy. The enemy is telling you, you see, you don't deserve that name. You don't deserve to be called a Christian. That's the enemy's whisper. Because the Christ's whisper, the Holy Spirit's whisper is this. You are made worthy because of Jesus Christ. Amen? But the question, the spiritual inventory must be asked. How am I living my life? Because Paul is urging us, live your life worthy of the calling. New shoes, we wipe it. 
right? The new release of Jordans, you wipe it. You don't want any creases on that, right? You're so careful. New shirts are expensive, $80 shirts. Well, man, you're not eating spaghetti today until you take that off, right? You're careful. You're careful. When it comes to material things, we understand and we know. But how come when it comes to spiritual things, especially with our name being Christians, do we take good care of it as well? Or are we even aware of it? Most of us, we migrated from the Philippines, right? And we know that, remember that day when you received that letter in the mail? The petition of blah, blah, blah. In my case, it was my dad. The petition of Jaime Aguana Salcedo has been approved. You are now approved to become a resident alien of the United States of America. Please be at your appointment at the United States of Embassy in, in Manila. We were jumping for joy. <laughs> Little did we know we'll be working the rest of our lives. We're like modern day slavery, but we were happy. <laughs> we were happy. We were, it was the greatest well, the greatest moments of our lives. So we knew what it took my dad to, to, to do that. For us to receive that. Me, Jamie, JP, we knew what it was worth. You knew what it was worth when you were petitioned. And then when, you, when we moved here, certain, certain benefits came with it, right? Everything that the, the citizens are, are, are able to do, we are able to do as well. Life can't be any better except voting, right? But we were able to get our licenses, buy a house, get a job, get paid, eat steak and eggs for $3.99. <laughs> this was way back then, right? It's, it's the benefits. We received it. But there, with that came certain rules, right? Not, not because you're a resident alien, you don't abide by the laws of the land. We are told to become good citizens, even though we're not citizens yet. And then when you applied for citizenship, you were told to what? To do a background check, a criminal background check, right? Remember when you guys did that piano at the, the police station, right? And you were hoping, you were like, oh my gosh, I hope they didn't catch me in doing that. You know, you're praying to God, Lord, please help me as I do these things. Because any criminal act would have disqualified us. Any criminal act, and rightfully so. All these material things, all these physical things that we are aware of that are worth a lot to us, we take very good care of it. Because there's a great amount of effort. You know, with the money that we spent, that took many hours for us to spend that money, right? To make that money then for, for us to spend it. You spend $5,000 on a purse for you to just dump it on the floor, right? Especially if it's a gift, right? If it's a gift from your husband, <laughs> right? It's a gift. It meant a lot. So the last thing they want to see is you not taking good care of it. Now, how come when it comes to our Christian life, for some odd reason, we take it for granted. Because we're saved by grace? Because God knows? <laughs> I love that part. Oh, Pastor, God knows. Nobody can live that way. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did know that. But there's, there's just this thing. 2 Timothy 1.9 he has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us, given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Now, maybe we've heard it. Maybe I've said it loosely. Maybe we didn't understand it correctly. That because we are saved by grace that we could live our lives the way we want to away from God's will. Maybe there is some teaching or a teacher that made us think that. Maybe it was me. Maybe I lived it too loosely, maybe because we embrace grace. Super, you know, it's super grace. It really is. It's, it's unending. Grace is, 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 is unending. 
Maybe because we know that truth, we think we can just continue to live our sinful ways. And then we stop because of Ephesians 2, 8, 9, when we were like, oh, you know, John 3, 16, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, I'm good. I'm good to go. Maybe we could care less about learning more about the doctrines. Because God says through Paul, and he wrote it to Timothy, that we are to live a holy life. In each of Paul's letters to the church, he's always emphasized and championed grace. And by grace alone is one saved. And along with that, Paul also emphasized for the believer of Jesus Christ to live a holy life. Amen? In this church, we said to know Christ, to become like Him. To become like Him. There is no way you can make Him known, which is what the, the, the guys that responded to the mission trip, there's no way that they can... They can live that way if they don't know who Christ is. There's no way that you can share the gospel to others and, and care less about how you're going to feel or how they're going to see you if you don't know who Christ is. There's no way that you can stop your sinful ways if you don't truly know who Christ is. There's really no way. It's hard to become like Christ if you don't know who Christ is. In God's economy, Christ has paid it all. However, a part of our calling, being called as a part of God's family, we are expected. Right? This is what it, that's the other way to, to look at it, right? We are expected by God to live a holy life. To live a life worthy of the calling we have received. Now the question for the, the people that are very keen, they're sitting there like, how, how, how? I wrote here, by the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells in every believer, can one, only then, can one truly be able to do anything for the Lord? Right? Because in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. How do you stay connected with the Lord is the next question. How's your prayer life? How's your alone time with Him? Are you just spending everything, most of your life now for yourself? Or are you spending a lot more time with the Lord? Because how can we say, I'm going to be connected with the Lord if we really don't spend any time with Him. How can a couple, a husband and wife, be truly intimate without spending time together? Alone. Can you just be really sitting together and not be speaking and you say, oh yeah, we, me and my husband, we had a great time. We were sitting together for like eight hours. What, what did you guys talk about? Nothing. But we really bonded. How? Right? One can ask, like, how? Were you even holding hands? But that's what we do with the Lord. We say, oh, I believe in God. God is everything in my life. Really? Yeah. Were you at church today? No. God knows. God knows what? That you didn't, didn't want to spend time with Him? God knows what? That you had eight months of not being with Him? God knows what? That you'd rather go on a trip rather than go to a church? Go to the church and be with Him? God knows what? That you'd rather watch Netflix rather than pray to Him? God knows what? That you'd rather be at work than read your word? God knows what? And then in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me, who gives me strength. The Holy Spirit is in, indwells in the believer the Holy Spirit indwells in the believer. But the Holy Spirit needs to be fed by us. Just like any computer, right? Any computer programs. There, you can't do anything with your computer if, there's, if, if the programs haven't been placed in the hard drive. Right? You can't say, oh Lord, give me Word right now. Give me Microsoft Word. 
but you didn't input it there. You didn't place it. You didn't, you didn't plug it in. It has to be set in there. The Holy Spirit draws whatever you have read, whatever you have heard and, and listened to. It draws from that. So now, are you feeding it? Are you feeding the Holy Spirit that is in you? Because if you're really asking, how, how can I live a life worthy of my calling? You need to be plugged in with the Lord. There's no other way. And then why? You're going to say, why? I'm saved by grace, man. You're saved, saved by grace. Now you're telling me to do this and do that. Now you're giving me a laundry list of things to do. What is it really? The reason is not because you need to be saved. You're already saved. But the reason why is because of His love for us. Because everything that we do must be a response to His love for us. Amen? Us wanting to obey God is out of our gratitude to Him. Because we understand that, man, you know what? He loved me so much that He gave Himself for me. 1 John 4.19, we love because He first loved us. We loved because He first loved us. So if we love God, we obey His commands. Jesus said that too, right? He who loves me obeys my commands. Now here's a, a quote from Pastor John Corson. Our Christian walk is not something we do to try to earn God's favor or merit His love. Rather, it is a response to how He loves us, what He's done for us, and how good He's already been to us. We love Him because He first loved us. He is the initiator. We are the responders. We don't love Him so He'll love us. We love Him because He first loved us. I don't know. Um, I'm really trying to contain myself, but because if if you, if we're always if all, we're all going to be truly honest, what is it about us that's so lovable for the Holy God? And here, in verse two, it reads: "Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love." Strangely enough. With a tremendous amount of Greek words, there is, you know, there's a lot of Greek words compared to the English language. But there is no Greek word for humility. There's no Greek word for it. Because the Rome, the Roman Empire, the Rome, they didn't care about it. They thought it was absurd for them to not even come up with a word. Because they think it's just a shame to be humble. Doesn't that sound like our, our society now? The me society, right? I am me. My hero is me. Me, look at me, selfie, me, right? There's, there's self-confidence. The me culture recognizes and acknowledges no one else. No one else to please except themselves. This is why Christianity is so countercultural. Because Christianity will always tell you, Humble yourself, right? Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. A Christian, there's, let me just clear that. Let me step, take a step back. A person who's proud can never be a Christian. Why? Because a proud person will never say he needs a Savior. A proud person will say, I'm in need of someone. He'll never say that. A proud person will say he's a Christian because he wants the Christian church to thank him. Congratulations, FICF. I am now a Christian. You are welcome. One of the greatest people in town has become a Christian. Look at how I'll change this church for you. <laughs> Imagine. It's just like this one person, the church awarded this, 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 the, this humble guy that's been a part of their, their church for 10 years. And the church elder, elders and the members said, hey, you know what? This guy is so humble. Let's just recognize him. 
And everybody voted. They're like, yeah, that's a great idea. And they bought him a medal. They had like a, like a, you know, a brief moment of celebration ceremony. They gave him the medal. You know, unfortunately, they had to take it back after six weeks because this guy kept wearing the medal. <laughs> and then he was calling everybody and saying, hey, hey, look, 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 I'm the most humble guy at church. You like it? You like it? Humility is so elusive. The moment that we think we have it, we just lost it. Now, Paul reminds us here to be humble, completely humble. Why? Because in order for us to be walking worthy of the calling, there is no pride in that. Because a real Christian recognizes his need for the Lord, so that just humbles the person. Correct? Only for them to take it back. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But despite that, God chose us before the foundations of the world. God gave His Son to die on the cross for our sins. And then all of a sudden, the, the, the God of the universe looks at us as we are the apple of His eye. And that breeds pride in you? Or does that, shouldn't that breed humility? Like, well, you know what? I'm, I'm nobody. But, because, but, but the God of the universe loved me so much. If, if you take that in, if you really try to swallow that in, shouldn't that breed gratitude? And shouldn't you, should, the, when, when you hear Paul's words now, live a life worthy of the calling, shouldn't that like, give you the urgency to do that? Once you really accept and realize all these truths about why God chose us, why would even he would he even chose choose us? Look at this example here. This is an illustration from Jesus speaking about pride and humility. This is in Luke eighteen nine to fourteen. Let me read this brief, uh, real fast. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at the distance. He would not even look up at heaven, look to heaven but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, church, only the one who is truly free from works-oriented Christianity will walk and live for Jesus with humility or lowliness and meekness. No longer will the person think God blesses him because of his dedication, diligence, and devotion, his piety, his purity, or prayer. Instead, he'll realize everything he has is because of God's loving kindness. Because of God's generosity, because of God's mercy, and because God is good. Doesn't that make it so much easier? Some of us, we go back to the, the weighing scale. We think that we need to earn God again. Which is why doing good works becomes so difficult. Because the time that we fall, the time that we make a mistake, we throw in the towel and we say, Ah, I knew it, Lord. I knew it. Why did you even save me? We give up because we lost focus. It was never to be done that way. Obedience and walking a life living for Jesus must be done because of our love relationship with him because of our gratitude to him not because we want to earn him again 
This is the same thing that I would argue to the people, the Christians that think you can lose your salvation. If you think you can lose your salvation, then you're doing something to keep it. Because you're obedient consistently. So the time that you fall, you lost your salvation. Then God's grace isn't powerful then. And God's work on the cross wasn't perfect then. When God said it is finished, until you make a mistake, did he? Was there like another translation there that says that? <laughs> Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Patience, folks, patience. We all know it, right? We call it long-suffering. Will we say it this way? Long-suffering. Or long-suffering. It means exceeding patience. Exceeding patience. How much more patient would we be if we really understood how incredibly patient God has been with us? After all, would you put up with yourself if you were God? I know I wouldn't. I, I know I would have killed me the first day after I became a Christian. Now, realizing that, in light of what he's done, in light of how long he continues to put up with us, God said through Paul that we need to be long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. There's a video that I have here. It, it, it was just not here. I picked the right time to, to go to the video part. Is it, I have a video. Will it, will it play once I go to the next slide? I have a video. Most of you probably have seen it. Um, <laughs> man. Um, is there a way you could play it? All right, there's, there, I want us to see this video. All right. Okay, watch this sheep here. He got stuck. All right, the kid's helping him out. This is, okay, have you seen this? Seen this? And then he goes, he goes, hmm. So, do you wonder why we're called sheep in the Bible? Because once God took us out, we think, oh, Lord, I got this. God took us out of the pit. And then what happens? We say, oh, Lord, never mind, never mind, I got this, I got this. Ako na to, Lord, kaya ako na to. Right? Until we get in trouble again and we're stuck there again. Like, oh, Lord, help me. Get me out there. Yeah, yeah, take my left leg out, please. Give me the whole thing out. And then we run again. And we fall again. See, God is the shepherd. God is the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. Right? He's the good shepherd constantly calling us. If we're straying away, he uses that staff and pulls us in, right? He watches, he leaves the 99 to get the one that's lost. That's how good God is. And the moment that we fall is when we go out of his hands. We think we can jump that ditch, over that ditch, only for us to go back in it again, over and over and over again. And then we wonder, I don't know why I'm not growing. Well, gosh, you keep jumping on your own. Why not walk with Jesus for a change? I don't know why my relationships aren't working. Where is Jesus in the middle of your relationship? I don't know why my plans are not working. Where is God in the middle of your plan? Is God your plan? Is God your all? I don't know my, why, my life is not working out the way I want to. You know, the Bible says, right, man plans, his, his, man plans with his heart, but the Lord directs his steps. Proverbs 69. It's hard for me to accept that truth. But it is without an apology that it is the truth. We need to adjust our lives based on what's written down in the Bible. The Bible will not adjust for us. Oh, you want to be a boy now, I see. Let me see where first you think you do. Right? No. 
the Bible, God will never change for us. We need to change for Him. Because God has done everything for us already. Oh, really? Joe, how? Jesus dying on the cross for you. He left heaven to be spat on for your sins and mine. He left heaven to be struck for your sins and mine. And you think he doesn't care about you? All right. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. A lot of things in there. Uh, but I only have five minutes left. So we're going to take the unity again, the second part of unity, next week. Okay, But briefly about this, I wrote here, Paul mentions make every effort to keep. Keep, meaning it's, it's an action word and it's like present. We have to constantly be working to keep the unity. We are not to make unity. We are to keep unity. This is so, this is such a slippery slope, slope, the unity part, because everybody, when you think about unity, this is what you automatically think, just like the world, our country thinks. Tolerance. We need to accept everybody and we need to love everybody. <laughs> right? We, is that what it is? The only way that we are to be united if we please everyone, the only way that this church is going to be united if I please all of you, Guess what? All of you don't agree. So how am I going to run it? <laughs> this side wants a different songs. This side wants a different song. This one doesn't want any songs. So how are we going to do it? This one likes 515. This one wants 930. Well, how am I going to do it? I'm not white enough for you. I'm not brown enough for you. Right? How am I going to do it? How are we to keep unity? You know how? We keep unity through the doctrines, through what's written down, through the, what's written down, unity and the doctrine, most importantly, about who Jesus is. That's how we keep it. Keep, not make. Everyone has their own preference. Whether they admit it or not, we have it. However, speaking now of belonging to a body of Christ, a church, every believer is called to be a part of it. Every believer is called to become a part of a local church. You are not to hop around churches. Oh, I like the Awana program here, but I like the singing here, but I like the preaching there. So you go to three different churches every Sunday. No, you are to belong to a family. Do you jump families? I don't like my sister, so I sleep over here. I don't like my husband because he's north, so I sleep there. No, is that, I mean, we don't jump families or natural families. Why, how come we jump churches? How come we jump churches? Unity is such a slippery slope. Right? You know, I'm not been, I haven't been a pastor for a long time as Pastor Charles has been or anybody else that's been above six years. But I have experienced division. And with division, gentleness goes out the window. Rudeness from Christians is very much alive in a division. You know, I've been on the cover of Gossip Magazine. You know, I've been libeled and I've been slandered. And I have had many attacks towards me and my family to the church, from this church or from other churches. But how do I keep unity when those things happen? As a pastor of a church, how do I keep unity when those things happen? I keep unity because I look at Jesus and Jesus says, I am with you. I am with you. When I was ordained to become a, the pastor of this church, I remember saying to the church that as much as I love the church, I love God first. Now, folks, we, you, on the other end, can do the same thing. 
you can actually, you must actually do the same thing. If God has called you to become a part of this church, you are told to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Do we have disagreements? Yes, because with unity doesn't mean we're always the same. There's difference. There's diversity within unity. Right? Some people like him, some people don't like him, but that's fine. We can still be a family. Some people like it wearing when I'm wearing a jacket, some people don't, but that's fine. It's the message that should really matter. Right? Some people didn't like it when I didn't have notes. <laughs> you know what they said? Man, John MacArthur has notes. You, Joe Salcido, don't have notes? And I'm like, oh my gosh, did I say anything wrong? <laughs> or did I just didn't have any notes? Okay, next Sunday I'll have notes. And you know what they did? They moved to the Philippines. <laughs> well, I didn't. <laughs> you know, I've made the mistake to comply. I've made the, the, the mistakes... I've made mistakes to comply to everyone's needs. I have. I try to say I don't try to, to, to adjust to everybody's needs. I try. I try to give everybody's needs. But the, the, the thing is, you guys are really, there's a lot of you guys for me to give way to. Now, from time to time, I have some reason, from time to time, for some reason, I have attracted certain individuals who have had the audacity to come in and join the church with the intentions to correct and change certain points of our doctrines and our beliefs. And that's where the buck stops. Okay? Differences and preferences, you can keep it. I'm not even going to try to bother you with it. But when you come here and you say you want to change the doctrine of this church that's been established by the founders of this church, by the members of this church, there's no way. We are to keep unity with the church that God established here. Now, I never and will never have the audacity to go to other people's churches and say they're wrong. But some people have done that here. Look at this one. <laughs> Good job, John John. This is um, a shepherd's staff, right? A shepherd's staff. Um, the one that I chose was so weak. This is so much better. This is so much. Good job, John John. I chose this. Why? Because of this. This is what I'm going to close with this one. 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 6. This is the living Bible. But the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some in the church will turn away from Christ and become eager followers of teachers with devil-inspired ideas. These teachers will tell lies with straight faces and do it so often that their consciences will, it won't even bother them. They will, say it, it is, they will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat meat, even though God gave these things to well-taught Christians to enjoy and be thankful for. For everything God made is good. And we may eat it gladly if we are thankful for it. And if, God, and if we ask God to bless it, for it is made good by the word of God and prayer. If you explain this to the others, you will be doing your duty as a worthy pastor who is fed by faith and by the true teaching you have followed. Folks, the staff, as much as it is to pull those of you who have strayed away, it is also to hit the wolves when they try to come for the flock. And I love to hit. Before Christ, I love to hit. But all the more now for the Lord. All the more now for the Lord. There have been mistakes that I've done. Allowing people to preach. Allowing people to share my, the pulpit here that God has entrusted to me. And I've shared different doctrines. But I am told to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. And my promise, and as I pray hard to the Lord sincerely for Him to give me the strength and the resolve to say no when it's a no. And I ask you, 
that if, if you have certain beliefs that are different from our beliefs, you can check our statement of faith. And if you want to become a member of this church, I tell you right away what my doctrines are, what I believe in. And um, I might be a goofball when you're talking to me, but I'm very much convicted, very much convicted, compelled by my beliefs that I will not change it. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as we were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Amen? Folks, God loves us first, so we have to love Him in return. Our motivation to live an obedient life, to live a life worthy of the calling that He has given us, must be a response of our understanding of His love for us. And we are to try with all our best to keep the unity of the church that He has called us to be a part of. Amen? In humility and in gentleness. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your message for us this evening. We thank You for um, the new insights or the reminders that um, we have also always have known. We now, Lord God, ask for Your help in order for us to live it out. We recognize, Father, that apart from you, we can do nothing. So we are, Lord God, imploring you to help us, strengthen us, empower us, Lord God, that we will be able to live a life worthy of the calling that you have given to us. Forgive us, Lord, for our shortcomings. Help us now, Lord God, to live a faithful, wonderful, glorifying life for you. We ask this in your son's mighty name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all the Lord's people said, Amen, Amen. Amen.